Chair Riley, we are live and I am admitting all participants. Thank you, Serge. I'll wait until you have everyone admitted and we'll get started. Good afternoon, Chair Riley and IDAC members. This meeting has been held pursuant to government code section 54953E and in light of the declared state of emergency, the regular meeting of the Economic Development Advisory Committee for January 10th, 2022 will be conducted telephonically through Zoom and broadcast live on the city's website. Thank you, Serge. Thanks, as always, for facilitating a great meeting. Uh, welcome to the Economic Development Advisory Committee's January 10th, 2022 meeting. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, I can't be more excited about uh, starting a new year with you, especially coming off the great December that this team uh, delivered for our community, uh, especially with Holiday by the Bay. We will be debriefing. Before we get started, um, there is a special uh, meeting at five o'clock today that uh, Serge and other folks on this call need to attend to. So we're gonna try to wrap up about 4.50. So forgive me if I make sure that we are sticking to time here, um, but I wanna give them time to transition to the other meeting that they need to support. We have six items on our agenda today. We will be debriefing on Holiday by the Bay. We'll get an update on our digital marketing we're gonna get ready for the month of romance uh, in February and how we can bring visitors to our town during the month of February. We'll have a brainstorming session on how we support the maritime industry beginning in March, getting ready for our opening day in the Bay. And then finally, uh, we'll be talking about the Marin ship inventory and how we can complete that project and then agree on our next projects. So before we do that, uh, Serge, can I ask you to do a roll call of our members, please? EDEC member Lillane. Here. John DeRay. Present. Rachel Stad. Present. Scott Bomberg. Present. Chris Gallagher. Here. Malcolm Morgan. Walter Lemmerman. Here. Monica Finnegan. Here. Don Daglow. Teresa Ancona. Cass Green. Here. Chair Riley. Here. And I would like to point out that uh, Teresa is on a much needed vacation, uh, her first in five years. So uh, we're happy to say that she's better off on whatever she's doing instead of being with us. And Don Daglow informed me that he will be in and out during this uh, meeting. Um, he has another uh, urgent appointment that came up that uh, takes an important priority. So uh, Serge, we can expect to record him as president when he does arrive. So thank you for that. At this time, I'd like to ask for public comment on items that are not on the agenda. And so uh, Serge, please inform the public how they can make a comment at this time. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called up on when it's your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press start nine and each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. 
And do you see any public comment, uh, any hands raised at this time, Serge? Uh, Chair Riley, I see no hands raised at the moment. Okay, and I'd like to acknowledge I saw Mr. Malcolm Morgan join the meeting. So uh, you might want to register him as attending, Serge, please. Okay, next item is the approval of minutes from our November 15th meeting. Are there any comments on the minutes, corrections, or is there a motion to approve? Motion to approve. Okay, second. <laughs> Thank you, Serge. Will you take a roll call, please? Uh, Chair Riley, would you like to ask for public comment before we do the roll call? Uh, yes, I shall. Are there is there any public comment on the minutes from the November 15th, 2021? And Chair Riley, I see no hands raised at the moment. Okay, can you proceed with the roll call, please? Bob Lalane. Approved. John DeRay. Approved. Rachel Stodd. Approved. Scott Thornburg. Approved. Chris Gallagher. Yes. Walter Lemmerman. Yes. Malcolm Morgan. Yes. Monica Finnegan. Yes. Vice Chair Green. Yep. And Chair Riley. Approved. And our special thanks to uh, Secretary Teresa Ancona for preparing those minutes for us. Okay, now we will move on to our first business item. Having us five minutes ahead of our agenda. Exciting. Um, our first business item is a uh, review of Holiday by the Bay and to discuss uh, any feedback or ideas on how we can approve this in other future events, both next year and uh, in the coming events. So with that, I'd like to ask uh, Ms. Monica Finnegan to lead your discussion. Um, Tom, I'm sorry, before we get started, since Teresa's not here, who is taking minutes? I'll do it. <laughs> Okay, I just yeah. Are we are we recording now too? We are recording. We are live on our city's website, and the video will be available um, later this afternoon. Okay. Yeah, thank you for offering. In the spirit of Teresa's vacation, we should cover the minutes, and so uh, thank you. All right, thank you, Julie, for pointing that out. Uh, Monica, please. Okay, on your mark, get set, go. Um, Okay, just a summary. Uh, we started the thinking of Holiday by the Bay a year ago, I guess January 2021. And we got together with the Sausalito Chamber, the Winterfest uh, Waterfront Foundation, Parks and Rec, and EDAC, and all, <clears throat> excuse me, and all of us sort of listed all of the events that have been done in the past and made some plans for things that were going to happen in 2021. So it was a great collaboration and I think we had a lot of fun and we had a lot of ideas. We had a lot of, a lot of budget ideas, which didn't get fully expended, but we still have a, a good list of things to consider in the future. 
So thanks to everybody who uh, initiated and then executed on everything. Uh, there were 18 events that happened during the December 1 to December 22. Um, I think many of them were new events. Some of them were repeat events that were um, really well attended. We had a budget approved at $10,000, and the final uh, expenditure is $8,468.44. Um, the other thing that I would like to comment on is this was a really heartwarming community well-received event and had a lot of support the in above the tides bought the christmas tree 18 feet 12 years old 600 pounds eight guys to take it off the truck um and then it took eight guys in the, in the fire department and everybody else to help decorate it so it was really quite a tremendous uh tree equator coffee donated at the tree uh, lighting ceremony, all the coffee and treats, and two elves from Equator Coffee were there to help. Kavala Point, um, when the Winterfest Foundation found out they had some trouble with the barge for the fireworks, Kavala Point donated $2,500 to help offset some of the costs. Um, Christopher Holbrook and his Sausalito Tree Farms, who always, I think, has been very helpful for the city, donated two trees for the exterior of the building, the DVA building, which really helped sort of enliven it when we had some outdoor uh, things there. And I think probably one of the more fun events that we did, which was new, is we uh, had Candy Cane Lane and we had a cavalcade parade of um, holiday inflatables down the street. And those inflatables were donated by the Sausalito Art Festival Foundation. So all in all, we had about $6,200 worth of donated um, things for the event. So I think that was really a statement for uh, the community in addition, obviously, to the city's funding. You know, there's so many people to thank in this particular first round of events because every time I ran into a question or a problem or a need, I'd pick up the phone and I'd call somebody in the women's club or somebody Julie, Julie at the chamber gave us lots of decorations. Anybody and everybody really stepped up, and I think it was really, um, for me, it was really heartwarming because I didn't feel like we were out there, you know, doing it all by ourselves. Um, we had one entertainer who broke her hip, and all of a sudden, in about 24 hours, we had replacement entertainment. Thank you to the Women's Club and some of the other artists in town. So that is really something that I wanted to highlight because uh, I didn't expect that and it was really very rewarding. Again, um, our Parks and Rec and DPW um, really, really helped with everything with all the heavy lifting and decorating and installation and lighting and all that kind of thing that were necessary for the tree lighting and for all of the set up in VA when we needed it. it. They were just really great and they loved doing it because it kind of took them away from some of the challenging work they were assigned to do during the course of the month. Um, and they're really great. And when Lauren Umbertos called the fire department, they said, we'll be there in five minutes. So, I mean, they were really, really responsive and I think really contributed to the community. Um, I guess some of the 
I don't need to name all of the people that helped us, but um, I'm going to try and see if Babbitt can help do that in a public way in comments because I think they should be applauded and um, celebrated. We do a lessons learned kind of format, um, which I'm not going to get into all of the details on the lessons learned, but a few things I think um, are important to highlight for, for next round, however that happens, because this was the first annual holiday by the day. The branding name came from Tom, so I think we should be helpful, ha happy for that because it's a great name and it's going to be easy to utilize in the next uh, time periods when we have all of our um, umbrella operating together. Um, but I think, for example, I made a mistake of not really getting more volunteers engaged. And I think next year, uh, some ideas, and we'll talk about it in the marketing meeting, is maybe we get um, all the nonprofits in the city to adopt one of the days or one of the events, or we figure out a way to do something like that. And that would engage them. And they can come up with some innovative ideas. And it could be, you know, executed in different fashions. As it turned out, we had so many nonprofits involved anyway. The South Lido Presbyterian Church had carol carolers, all of the women's club with the ukulele uh, performance for the uh, tree lighting and whatnot. So we had a lot of nonprofit support. So I think we might find a way to uh, extend uh, something like that. Um, I asked all of the makers at the Makers Fair, we had 12 makers. I think one thing that we did this year, because it was the first one and we didn't, never executed anything in the B of A, we did not charge a quote booth fee, so everybody that signed up was in at no expense on that part. And the city was really helpful in trying to um, accommodate a one, one day um, business license expense and things like that. But we have five people who did not follow up. And I think next time we will charge a fee. Julie told me about this, which I think is a good idea, is when they sign up, they'll pay, for example, 100 bucks. And when they show up, they get $50 back or something like that. So they have skin in the game. So I think we'll execute, or that's a recommendation to execute next time. Um, uh, there's a lot of sort of uh, smaller ideas with the Makers Fair, which I don't want to, I don't necessarily need to go in to, I can send out the whole list of things that all of the makers submitted if anybody wants to read it. But we've got now kind of a workbook to, to work from for next year. More signage, more um, media. Uh, we had just started with our uh, CDA folks, so they did a tremendous job in really um, getting things out in the time frame that they had. And the other people, person that I think we should really help is Kim, say thanks to is Kim Huff, who helped us when she was already overloaded with a lot of um, publicity and marketing work. She took us on, and I think she made the whole holiday by the bay look fantastic and very professional. Um, see if I missed anything. Did I miss anything, Scott or Tom or anybody? No? No, okay. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I just open to the table see if there's any other comments or feedback uh or learnings or takeaways i know i had a great time <laughs> at, at the maker's fair i just I, I i was so happy to help uh, monica but i just had so much fun and i bought great gifts you so spent a lot of money next year it's <laughs> yeah. really great 
Yeah. I wish I could have come to the tree lighting because that sounded like that was wonderful too. I think the tree lighting was one of the highlights. And I wanted to also say thanks to John DeRay because he was the finder of a nativity scene. So now we have everybody there in honor of Christmas except a Grinch. So we're good. We're good. We got our bases covered. So, um, that, and I think the nativity scene really enhanced the space as well. So that was great. I also think that Candy Cane Lane, you know, the Caledonia Street merchants often feel like they've been left out or however you want to express it. And our Santa Claus that was there was Jerry Taylor, and he was a riot. We, we marched into all the restaurants. We harassed all the patrons. We had so many little kids that came down from the community for photographs. It was really a great highlight. And we had music all the way. We had Joe Burns came in an elf outfit that was just hilarious. So, you know, it kind of shows what the community can be like if we open the doors and, you know, maybe tickle their fancy a little bit. So it was pretty fun. Um, so anyway, um, all ideas all ideas are welcome. As I said, we'll have a bigger committee next year. Um, I now have the code to the B of A building. So, yeah, anyway, that's it. Tom, I would just share that I think Candy Cane Lane tremendous. And uh, I always love the Halloween parade. And I think the Lane Parade is going to, you know, yeah. right up there with that. And it's just great to see families and kids uh, coming down to our kind of our community street. Um, I do have an idea for next year. Um, and this came from, uh, I've spent years driving up in Nevada just to drive my son and friends by all, a couple blocks up there, just beautifully lit homes. You just drive by. And I thought it'd be fabulous if we could work towards getting the buildings on Bridgeway between Princess and Richardson lit up. And I talked to Jim Gabbard, who has his home on that street. He says, yeah, just make a competition. But if we had that strip of homes lit up during the holidays, uh, it would be the most photographed street in the Western United States. And it would attract a regional community, people from the Bay Area to drive here, to look at the lights along the waterfront, see the city in the distance, and of course, dine and stay in our hotels. Um, so it's something I'd like to maybe discuss trying to start next year, and it could take a couple few years before we get all the landlords participating, but one idea. Good idea, really great idea. We're also having a conversation on Caledonia about lighting the trees there. So I think the more lights we have, the more festive it is. So I just think it's a pretty great idea. And there's good interest on Bridgeway, too. Um, I didn't follow up on that this year, but I will for next. I think that a lot of the merchants on Briz Bridgeway would like to go over the top uh, with some really great lighting. Mm -hmm. I see some hands raised. So, uh, Scott, your hand up. I was going to mention, um, I, I wanted to say a special thank you to Monica, too. Uh, I know we, we kind of all thanked Monica, but um, hands down would not have happened this year without her hard work and dedication. Um, uh, so, um, just wanted to, to call that out. Um, we also, because this is the first time we've done, uh, this event series, we learned a lot. I learned a lot. I met a lot of local business owners, um, and I've, we've been taking a lot of notes. So I truly, I think with, uh, with all of EDAC engaged next year, with more time to plan with our city council, um, and city staff supporting us, um, we can make, uh, next year's event just even better. We, we accomplished a lot this year and, and um, Think we can all be really proud of that 
um, and also we, we've taken a lot of notes and have a lot of um, a lot of ideas for next year too. So um, even even simple things like building out a photo and video archive of what we mm -hmm. did this year, so we can promote those things next year um, is really helpful. So um, for all of you that were out and about at the city, uh, different events, if you have photos that um, you want to forward to me, we're building an archive um, and sharing that with, with everyone. So um, please send me what you have and we'll um, be sure to use that uh, for next year. And Scott, thank you also for all the time you provided uh, in support of Monica. Uh, Councilmember Sobieski. Uh, thanks, Jerry. I was just going to echo uh, Scott's comments. Congratulations to everybody, particularly Monica, but everyone who's contributed to this amazing event. Uh, I won't take up more time. I just wanted to say that. I also just riffing off of your comment, uh, Tom, about uh, lights on Bridgeway. I thought I would just share what I shared with Chris Zapata driving down Fourth Street. If I can share this 30 second video with everybody. This is what Fourth Street looks like um, in, uh, in Berkeley. And it sets an example of what um, downtown could look like uh, for us if we so chose. So there you go. Um, I thought that was very inspiring. And by the way, when I showed that to the city manager, he said, that's what I want. So you have the support of the city manager uh, as that being a goal. And, and let's ask, where, where did Julie go? That's probably a ten or fifteen thousand dollar writing experience. So we need to think about the funding on it all. So yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, Vice Mayor Kelman, thank you. Thank you, Chair Riley, and thank you everybody for really. I just want to commend you on the whole month of of December being incredible. And Monica, I, I am going to call you out and thank you for leading the charge on that. It was phenomenal. I just I want to share with you. Um, you guys probably know that. Our community is actually, I don't know if we're getting younger, but more young families are, are moving here. And uh, when we had Halloween, people uh, came to me and said, are we going to have a Halloween parade, right? And then we had it. Um, and they sort of expected it, but they did not expect Candy Cane Lane. And there is a, uh, a mom's group called Saucy Moms, and they have about 100 moms uh, with a Slack channel um, that's very, very busy and very, very loud. And they were so excited, Monica, and, and all of EDAC with Candy Cane Lane. Uh, they, this really just was something for them to look forward to. It was a little bit unexpected because they, you know, wasn't on the regular calendar, and it really just made the month for them and for their kids. And so I just wanted to share that with you, and I, I want to pass along the accol accolades that I received on your behalf. So right. thank you, Florida. The month of romance, as Chair Riley said. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Janelle. Thank you all. Uh, at this time, I suggest we go to public comment on item 4A. Uh, which was a review of Holiday by the Bay. So, uh, Serge, can we open up for public comment? And Chair Riley, I see no hands raised to um, talk about this topic. Thank you, Serge. Okay, we'll move on to item 4B. Um, yes. Oh, Bob. Sorry. I, I had to jump off for a sec because I have a from South Beach Riggers Bosun's chair on the top of my mast in the Sausalito Harbor that had a question about my rig. A little emergency after a race yesterday. Um, I had one quick question, so I missed the conversation, but is, did you guys talk at all about any metrics on gross sales or sales tax revenue as a result of the activity in December versus 2020 and 2019? We, we have not had that discussion. 
and our conversation we had was just much more anecdotal on uh, you know, the community involvement. Um, we will be able to get sales tax results, I think, at the end of the quarter. We wouldn't have access to them just yet. But uh, that is something we should do is look at year over year kind of sales tax revenues and see if we had an impact or not. It's going to be hard with you know, the prior year being COVID, but maybe we can go back to another baseline. Uh, Julie may have a comment. Um, I think that for our, they're usually one quarter behind, so we won't receive it. I think I just saw Chris Zapata come on here, so he may know the answer to this, but I believe we won't receive fourth quarter until the first part of second quarter next year of what our total sales were. Um, but yeah, that would be that would be good to, you know, check it with 2019 because 2020 is not going to give us a good indication of what our sales tax would be. And that's one of the things we we talked about trending over the last three years, uh, not only just on the revenues, but start looking at things like parking and hotel occupancies, so we can start understanding if we have an impact on them. Great. Oops. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You're can, I, can I just add one thing? At, at the Maker's Fair, um, of course, we had the doors wide open and the ferries were coming in. So we began, Cass and I began asking everyone where they were from. And we really got a good a fee, feeling of some of the folks and why they came to Sausalito. They were from Modesto, from Fresno, from Santa Rosa, from a couple from Sacramento. They were from the South Bay, from the East Bay. One East Bay guy said to me, which I think is an important comment for us to pass along, he said, there's only two uh, Christmas decoration stores in the Bay Area, and one of them is here in Sausalito, and they come here every year to buy a Christmas decoration. So our Christmas store guy should be marketing to the, the Bay, not just, you know, regional. Anyway, so I just thought that was really pretty interesting to find out. They did not necessarily spend a lot of money at the Maker's Fair, but they definitely walked in and were experiencing our city buying things the restaurant listening to the jazz band they were there Cass, do you have any other comment no monica did they did the makers fair record any kind of gross sales with you i've asked them for numbers and a lot of them uh, it was really cold for one thing it was um some of the products weren't necessarily what people were looking for. A lot of millennials were, were not enticed to come in. So we need a better mix on the Maker's Fair. But I haven't gotten a total amount of what might have happened. I know that uh, it wasn't a, a big sale and a lot of the people didn't care. They just wanted the exposure. So that's the feedback I got. I, you know, a lot of people were selling briskly. There was one person who didn't sell, but she was priced out of the market. Her stuff was so expensive. Right. But, you know, the, the lady with the little heart pendants and the succulent and the pottery, I mean, those things were just going like this. They were, yeah. Uh, Vice Mayor? Yeah, thank you. Um, Monica, uh, I was wondering if it might be helpful if you could just share the lessons that we learned about the um, business license. We had a, a good back and forth with city manager, and so this group knows what the issue was, and then the steps we took to remedy it. Yeah, just real briefly. Um, so, if you think about a maker's fair, and you are asking artists who don't typically always make a lot of money, and we're not seeking usually seeking the high end kind of folks, 
having to pay for parking, having to pay for a business license that is probably, as I remember, it's about 250 bucks or something like that for a one-day event. And one person didn't have enough sales. Her sales tax was going to be like five bucks, you know. So we do need to find an easier methodology to put these on, whether we have a flat, flat rate or something like that. We come up with a solution. It was really a time-consuming, awkward, incomplete, crazy way. And every each of the makers got a different answer from whomever they talked to in the city. So we need to come up with one solidified, clear-cut, simple-to-do, you know. I, I heard something from Parks and Rec that for the WAG event, they charged everybody $39. We got some money for, from it and some of the expense for the setup. That's a great idea. So we do need to spend some time looking at that. And thank you for bringing that up, Janelle. Right. Thank you, everyone, for those comments. Um, we're going to move on to item 4B to keep us on schedule. Uh, this will be a report out by Scott and Kevin uh, from CDA on our digital marketing results uh, from this past month. Right. Thank you. Um, so I believe Kevin is with us. Um, yep, yeah, there we are. Um, and he has a couple of slides to show. So um, if we could get him, um, there we go. Thank you so much, Serge. Um, so I'll, I'm, I'm not gonna waste any time. I'm just gonna say, we're gonna pass it to Kevin. He's got some great numbers to share. Uh, we also did try to spend some time uh, explaining or providing some explanation about what some of the numbers were. Um, so uh, after Kevin goes through them, if you have questions, uh, let me know and we can, we can talk through that um, or uh, address that on a separate call. Thank you, Scott. I will jump ahead. I apologize. Literally in the last five seconds, the sun has moved into a position in my office here where it's got this awful glare. Let me see what I can do. <laughs> see the door on the wall. Um, I'm just going to go straight to sharing my screen. <clears throat> All right. And uh, hopefully everybody can see here. Uh, as, uh, as everybody's been saying, thank you so much again to everybody who's so kind of just dedicated and active and passionate uh, for the last month. Uh, no easy feat getting 18 different events up in a single month for the very first time. Um, so that was really impressive. And I think a lot of what contributed to the success we saw last month was just the, the sheer uh, volume of events that were happening. Um, and that, that'll, that just, um, events are always uh, great for PR because people in the Bay Area love to know things to do. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's always real hot to pick that stuff up and having so many events so close together, um, I think was a big driver and, uh, and some of the numbers we saw. So quick overview, we had 113 earned placements, uh, meaning on TV, uh, websites, newspapers, magazines, um, specifically on TV, we had Cron, KGO and KTV, which NBC, uh, all covered the lighted boat parade, uh, which is great. We got um, digital coverage uh, expanded uh, on SFGate, and since the last time we've talked, we also got Oakland Magazine, Mercury News, East Bay Magazine, Mulder Creek Magazine, um, and then uh, additional events popping up on the, uh, those, those smaller publications that are then more specifically for events. So that had kind of uh, this kind of nice uh, bonus of, uh, of views that we were able to drive through some of these smaller sites as well. I'm going to go through the numbers, and as this was a request last time, I'm going to go one by one through kind of also explaining 
what these different numbers mean. So real quick, you'll notice I've broken the results down into earned media, owned media, and paid media. Um, this is a real kind of broad definition, but uh, what earned media is are things like newspapers uh, or the TV, uh, TV news. So it's how other people are talking about Sausalito, but we didn't pay them to do it. It's not advertising. Uh, owned media are our own channels. So it's the Destination Sausalito website, Destination Sausalito social media accounts. Those are things we control and we get to talk about it ourselves to our audience. And then lastly is paid media, which is just another way of saying paid advertising. So starting on the earned media side, um, we got 113 published posts. Published posts just means a story, an article, or a video that some organization uh, published, i.e. a newspaper that writes an article about us. Recently, East Bay, uh, East Bay Times just did uh, a, a newspaper article. It was like an itinerary day in Sausalito, so that would be considered a published post. Or when Cron covered the Light and Boat Parade, that, that's a, a published post. Our traditional audience. So this is a sum of the people, the number of people who are exposed to non-digital forms of media. We track it differently, so we can't combine them. So that's like people who are seeing something on broadcast TV, radio, or in print. And then digital coverage views down here, we have almost a million. Uh, and this is an estimated number of people who saw things through digital publications. So if this is on a, a magazine's website, but not the print edition, that would, that would go. And then lastly, we have social shares. So you've probably done this yourself. You read a newspaper article online, you think, hey, this is relevant to my social network. You share it on your Facebook page. So this is an estimated number of activity that came as a result of that. Uh, combining traditional and digital, we had over uh, a million views estimated of, of coverage in the past month around the Bay Area. Um, jumping down to our owned media, so specifically looking at social media here, we didn't actually get access to the social accounts at the beginning, uh, unfortunately, but the last, I think, 14 days uh, of the month, uh, we did have access to uh, first Facebook and then Instagram, uh, and we were able to immediately uh, see some changes there, um, both in terms of driving Instagram followers um, and then also jumping up the Instagram reach. Um, I think Instagram reach increased something like 46% um, versus uh, same period previous uh, previous three months, um, so that was that was really nice to see as well. In terms of what these term means, follower count um, that's not everyone we're reaching on social media. Those are just the people who have clicked to follow the destination South Salido social media accounts. The reach is the actual number of people. Um, so that's as you can see, that's much greater than those number of people. So we have uh, I think something like sorry, this covering is up for me. Something like 1,600 Instagram followers right now, um, and we reached about 4,100 last month people on Instagram, and that was just again in those last 16 days, which unfortunately was actually after most of the big events. Um, and then engagement rate, typically a good engagement rate you're going to see on social media is about two percent. We're not counting uh, video views. For a travel destination, we we typically like to see a little higher, and fortunately we we did both on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we had about a 13% engagement rate. So those are the number of people who saw content and actually interacted with it, either liking, leaving a comment, something like that. It's very, very high. Uh, and that just showed that the content, which was largely this, these event series, um, and then the profiles on the makers, the makers fair, these were things that were just appealing to, to, the, to the audience. Another thing we like to measure uh, is, next page, um, excuse me, is the percent visitors. So this is, 
just a fancy way of saying this is the percentage of people that we're reaching on social media who don't live in Sausalito, right? So they're not identified as being Sausalito residents. They're coming from outside, even in the immediately surrounding area, but just not Sausalito. So 85% are not from Sausalito. It's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It just lets us know who we're reaching and that helps us inform how we want to talk to them and what kind of content we want to share on these channels. We produce 10 creative assets. These are very lightweight little pieces of social media content to support Makers Fair. There's nothing major. Um, and uh, fortunately, as was pointed out, a, a number of people, including Scott uh, and Kimber Communications, actually provided a lot of photo and video content that we will now have as a library moving forward for any future years that we're promoting these events. We can hit the ground running ahead of time with a media kit that's going to have photo and video to help increase the amount of uh, amount of press we'd be able to get for these. The last two numbers down here I want to talk about are the average search volume and the average hashtag volume. So these aren't specifically performance metrics. It's just kind of testing the temperature of how the planet is in, in total is thinking about Sausalito and how much the planet is thinking about Sausalito. So basically what we did is we take the top 70 or so um, uh, search terms that specifically re relate to Sausalito or Sausalito attractions or Sausalito businesses um, and we look at the average monthly search volume that those terms are getting, right? So this wouldn't be Winterfest because there's a million Winterfests out there, but Winterfest South Salina, right? How many people are searching Winterfest South Salina? So we put all that together and we're, right now we have our benchmark and we're gonna be tracking this month over month. Um, and we're just gonna kind of see as our efforts are going, if more people are taking an interest in Sausalito both in terms of what people are searching for online and also how many people are posting hashtags with uh, terms like hashtag terms that again specifically relate to Sausalito, Sausalito attractions or Sausalito businesses. Um, lastly, I want to talk about paid media. This actually hasn't really changed because in order to make sure we're driving awareness and getting the best bang for our buck, we ran our paid media at the top of the month in December. Um, so these are, I believe these are the same numbers or close to the same numbers that you saw in the previous presentation. Um, but we wound up serving 16,000 uh, impressions. What an impression simply means is that's one ad served to one person one time, right? It's just a way of measuring advertising. So if you and your family are watching TV news and a commercial comes on, there's four of you, that's four people see one ad one time, that's four impressions. Um, if you're on your phone, it's just you, you see one ad on Facebook, that's one person, one ad, one time, that's one impression. So it's just a way of measuring kind of the volume of advertising. And then click is self-explanatory. That's measuring how many people are actually clicking and taking interest in a digital ad. We didn't run any video ads uh, last month, so this is not a relevant metric. But as you can see, we drove an additional 1,200 clicks uh, to the Destination South Salido website homepage, which is where all of the um, event modules were located. Last thing that we want to track, um, as was pointed out, is sales tax quarter over quarter, transient occupancy tax quarter over quarter, occupancy percentage quarter over quarter. We don't currently have those numbers, so this will be filled in as those numbers arrive. Um, and again, these are the same numbers I went over previously. I'm happy to go back and talk about them again, but because we have not run a second paid media campaign, these numbers haven't changed. Uh, so that's the results. I'm gonna turn it back over to Scott. Yeah, I'll, and I'll just wrap things up by saying um, we're we're really pleased with these results. You know, as a reminder, I do uh, PR for my day job, and, and I can tell you that 
um, getting Cron, getting SFGate, some of these are, you know, um, outlets to, to cover what we're doing. That doesn't just happen on its own. Um, that's not how the media works anymore. You, you have to really reach out to them and, and ask them to, to write about your information. Um, and so getting this kind of coverage in the first year that we've done this is, is huge. 113 placements is uh, fantastic. So um, again, with a little more planning, a little more time, uh, with more uh, video and photo assets and uh, being able to partner with Kimber um, and other uh, partners in the city to, to do more next year, we think we can have an even greater impact. So I'm really pleased with these results. Um, I think it's a really good, uh, good baseline, good benchmark for us um, going forward and, and excited to, um, to do more uh, with CDA going forward. Uh, so back to you, Tom, and I don't, I don't know if there are any questions that we can. Yeah, well, I will, just, I will concur. Uh, Kevin and Scott, great work. Um, it's, a, it's great to st uh, see, have a baseline that we can start building upon and seeing our impact and refining and getting better. Um, at some point, I'd like to start building the ROI of our marketing dollars invested to these returns, like, you know, cost per click and so on and so forth. But um, this is a great start. And uh, those numbers are very, very impressive. Uh, in my professional world, I never got such detailed metrics on the marketing dollars. So thank you for that, Kevin. Um, Julie has her hand up. I just have a question for Kevin and, and Scott. Is there, do we have a Dropbox? Or, I have a lot of photos, but to email them to you guys or something, do we have a Dropbox where you guys are? Okay, because I have a lot of photos from the holiday events, but. Yeah, Kevin does. Um, we'll, and we'll, sh we'll share the link around so you can just drop them straight in. Perfect. Sure. Um, maybe the best way to do it would be to have um, different people have different folders just to keep things organized as easily as possible. Um, that would actually probably be the best. So I'll, actually, Julie, um, thanks for letting me know. I'll create a folder just for you. And uh, I, I, I find it simplest to use Google Drive because I find not everybody has Dropbox. or So we'll just use a Google Drive folder uh, and you can just drop the, drop the files and that would be the easiest. Any other questions or comments before we go to the public? All right, at this time, uh, Serge, can you help me see if uh, the public has any comments about our digital marketing results from the month of December? Chair Riley, there are no hands raised at the moment. All right, thank you for that. Um, any final comments from the group before we move on to our next item? Again. I just like to, I just like to echo the compliments that were given. I think there was a, a critical mass of the work that was done assembling so many events as was discussed, and then the uh, proactive additional outreach. I think there's just a synergy there, and I'm very excited about what's going to happen from next year. All the numbers I was seeing on on the data I have access to were likewise really encouraging. So I think it uh, was strong performance all around. Thank you. And uh, Serge, we should note that Don Daglow has joined our meeting, and good to see you, Don. Happy. Um, okay, at this time, I'd like to move on to item 4C. We had discussed in our last meeting around um, putting on a series of events around February, uh, centered around Valentine's and calling it the month of romance, I believe. Um, I do not know if we've made any progress or not, so I thought I would go back to our same team of Scott and Kevin to just lead a discussion if we have some activities and how EDAC can support uh, and make this another success. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kick us off and then um, Kevin, um, I'm sure you'll wanna chime in. So 
One of the um, one of the things we're watching very carefully is um, the impact of Omicron um, and how that is uh, potentially changing some of our our plans um, or or you know we're, we'll adjust as we as we need to. Um, I think one of the the benefits of being in Sausalito is that we do have um, you know this beautiful setting that we're in, and so some of the recommendations that we are. Um, maybe shifting to or are involving more uh, outdoor itineraries and wellness um, and how you can um, bring a, a month of romance in, into that. And I think um, one thing that we do want to uh, disassociate like this idea of a month of romance and wellness with um, Valentine's Day, that's a one day, one moment in time where you do get um, a lot of locals and, and maybe some some regional residents that would be coming into the city, but that's just one day or one weekend. Um, and uh, there's a, a whole month that we can uh, kind of promote uh, and there's a lot to do here. So um, we have a few ideas um, and would be very open to uh, recommendations and suggestions for the team. But um, Kevin, do you want to talk briefly just about um, some of the ideas that, that uh, the team had and some things that we are planning? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Scott. Um uh, yeah, I think the, the key uh, is is that word wellness. Um, we may even want to focus on wellness more than romance right now, specifically because of the, the campaign. Without you know, in terms of just how we're weighting the kinds of activities we want to be talking about, um, this also ties up to the editorial calendars of uh, local publications. So, for example, um, coming up in February and in March as well, East Bay Magazine, Marin Magazine, and Sunset Magazine all have on their editorial calendars to be running stories about wellness and health and romance uh, to, to, to a degree, but that's like a unifying thing that everyone wants content about right now. Um, and dining as well. So uh, SF Mag and the SF Chronicle both want to start writing about food and dining. So those are topics that will probably be kind of shaping uh, the month of romance uh, around. In terms of what we're actually gonna be kind of doing, if, if there are events, obviously big considerations people are having right now, uh, is going to be, you know, safety of the event, the, the you know, is it, you know, how, how dense is the public going to be? Um, and so to Scott's point, we're looking at creating an itinerary um, and, or, or various itineraries that are basically blog, blog articles and sh uh, with, with uh, media and then sharing that through a variety of different channels, through, um, you know, both our own channels, but also through trying to get earned outreach, getting people to come over and, uh, take that itinerary themselves and then write a, write a, a blog about their experience uh, or an article about their experience and then running uh, paid media to try to get people to come to Sausalito uh, and also to get residents who are probably feeling a little bit stuck at home to know, hey, what's I'm, I'm feeling trapped at home. Maybe my kids are home right now because they had an exposure at school, et cetera, et cetera. I want to get out and relax and rejuvenate and feel better. And it's making sure we are focusing on, yes, cycling and hiking, but we're, we want to make sure we're bookending everything with some kind of shopping agenda. So really nice, um, you know, really nice or romantic dinner and lunch and, uh, and, and possibly like a stay in a, in a hotel as well. So it's trying to tell this kind of end-to-end -end story about, hey, everybody's really stressed. Everyone's in a bad mood right now because of Omicron. Um, and here's a way to kind of help treat your bad mood. Kevin, uh, one, I think I like the idea of focusing on wellness. Um, uh, how should we form a subcommittee to help do the reach out and come up with the event ideas? Or Scott, do you feel well staffed? Um, how, how can we make this a successful event in the month of February? 
Yeah, I think um, in our next marketing uh, subcommittee call and the attract subcommittee call, we can we can talk through some of this some more and and definitely welcome ideas from from everyone. Um, I know um, the, the everyone will have recommendations. So some things that would be helpful, um, you know, if we we sort of have generally, you can kind of look around the city and see who has outdoor seating, but restaurants and and uh, with outdoor seating. Um, uh, stores that are that are open and uh, you know that we can send people to um, obviously hotels that uh, that they can stay at you know anything that we can do to um, to enhance what that itinerary would look like for someone that wants to spend most of their time outdoors right now um, you know that would be visiting uh, Sausalito how do they how do they make a wellness weekend here how do they um, rejuvenate um, locally that could be in you could think from spa to healthy eating to fitness um, you know meditation and, and so on there's there's a lot here so if you have ideas um, uh, like I know our you know our vice mayor is a very active person if you have ideas for for ways to build out an, an active itinerary those are exactly the kind of things that we're looking for um, one other example is things like um, out, out of my window I can see the sea trek um, uh, Doc and, and Chris Gallagher and the uh, Corps of Engineers and the, you know, on New Year's, I think it was New Year's Day, there were about 30 people doing uh, stand-up paddleboard yoga out on the water. Things like that that we can encourage people to do that, that support local businesses and also uh, kind of get people outside. Great. Uh, Vice Chair Green, please. I just wanted to remind you guys about the adventure map because that's got great hikes on it. And there's a hike that isn't on that map, but I just delineated for um, a, a magazine that's doing an article on the hotel, which is the hike you take up uh, from Old Town, and it ends up above the uh, uh, Robin Williams Tunnel. And then you could go even higher, and, and the view is spectacular. It's about a 5.5 mile hike. And then you end up coming down Spencer and then back into downtown Sausalito. But you can do all that from downtown Sausalito. So I can send that to you too. But there, there are just so many magnificent hikes uh, all around Sausalito that people don't think about because, you know, you think of it as an urban center, but you can hike into some great country just from downtown. Thank you, Cass. Uh, Julie, please. Um, I, Cass can probably confirm this for me, but as we're doing our advertising, I think the restaurants and the hotels are probably pretty booked for Valentine's weekend. So they don't need the extra um, push on that weekend, but it's for the rest of the month they do. So maybe not focus so much on um, on that weekend because um, as you know, that's probably pretty full. Yeah, we're always booked full for Valentine's and the other ones is President's Day. That yes. three day weekend is, is always booked uh, full. But I do this during Christmas vacation we had a lot of people coming into the visitor center looking for things to do with their kids. So the hikes, the kayaking, the free to be, the uh, Matthew, you know, all, all of those is really what people are looking for because especially if kids are learning from home now, they're going to have their kids again. But we do have, I know we want the high end tourists and, and tourists, visitors, but the ones that are coming are the families. And if they don't have a good time and they don't have something for their kids to do, they're not gonna come back. But they are staying in the hotels. They might not spend as much 
at the restaurants and maybe this, um, you know, the gift shops and the things like that, but they are here and we do want them to come back as, you know, just by themselves or without their kids. Um, just a uh, follow up. Uh, yeah, uh, Julie's absolutely right. And um, just one point I wanted to uh, point out um, in terms of following up on the, the interest from families, um, if you look at the search term audit that we did um, that we've been tracking, so the, the most up to date number, um, the most search terms, Sausalito alone, number one, then Sausalito restaurants, and then Cavallo Point, the number four is Bay Area Discovery Museum. So just in terms of that, that all that is the is the volume of search activity per month uh, for the past twelve months, but that does inform like there is a real interest in what what do I do with my kids on here. And you. the thing about the Bay Area Discovery Museum is because of the pandemic, they only take so many people. Members get to go in first. So if you have a member, so we need to check on that that's how it was i don't know if it's still that way but before we advertise too much we do need to see if they're still if that's still in place great let's go to uh, vice mayor helen thank you um i just want to share with you all one of my absolute prized possessions i don't know if you can see this um this is the sausalito guide a pocket map with public streets and walkways approved by the city council in 2011 you don't see many of these, but it has, as Cass was saying, all of our staircases. And I have been known to take this out and explore each and every one of them. How cool would it be if we found some funds to print these out? It still says who printed it. I'm sure they still have it. Um, print more of these out, have them available at various restaurants or, you know, um, and pair them with local restaurants doing some picnic baskets and maybe even a sea trek outing. I mean, I'm nervous in the business of putting the packages together, but there's so many great opportunities and this is such wonderful low hanging fruit. So if anybody wants to borrow it, um, you can borrow it, but I need to get it back. Why, why go to the gym and do a Stairmaster when you can go to Sausalito? Well, I will tell you, when Chris as a partner, our city manager first got here, I said, Chris, you really need to see this town. We'll go on a little walk. And he goes, oh, a little walk. I was like, we're going to go up to the freeway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he was not that happy with me. We went um, straight up to Fire Station 2 <laughs> on the staircases, but he knew, he knew the town after that. <laughs> now, all of those um, paths and staircases are actually in the adventure map, and that's online, and anybody can, can get to it. Fantastic. It is very unique, and there's so many people that like to hike uh, here in the Bay Area, and for them to really <clears throat> they could hike all these secret stairs would be a real attraction. Okay, we have Councilmember Sobieski, and we'll take his comment, and then we're going to move on. That's uh, quite a hazing ritual that the Vice Mayor gave our new city manager. Um, I had heard about that directly from him, so he has not forgotten about that hazing. Uh, and uh, it's funny, I got Dorothy Gibson's book on the walkways of Sausalito and proposed to the person giving it to me that we publish a bunch more and hand it out. And she said, oh, no, we don't want the tourists walking around it, all our homes. So that is definitely... A bit of a, uh, we'll have to position that correctly, but I think we should because it's a point of civic pride. They're, they're little jewels in our town and we should be proud of them. And we ought to polish them off, not least the North Street steps, which um, still need their railing fixed. And I hope that will be done soon. But I raised my hand because I had a question for Kevin, actually. He said what those top search terms were, and I was writing them down, but I didn't get them all. So what were those top search terms? Oh, uh, sure. And again, this is just from the, this is average from the past month. It's we would expect this to change, you know, month over month. Uh, number one, I'll just tell you how far. Uh, Sausalito, number one by itself, right? Sausalito restaurants, 
Cavallo Point, and then Bay Area Discovery Museum are the top four. Then the next one, surprisingly, Equator Coffees. Mm. A lot of people searching about Equator Coffees. I wonder if they do um, a lot of e-commerce business or something. But. It's all the bicyclists yeah. you get the address. Right. Yeah. I, I, so I will tell you, Kevin, um, Equator Coffees would be delighted to do literally anything you could think of to ask them. Helen Russell would love to do more in this community. So if that's coming up, that's you can leverage that. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's great. We are tracking that month over month, so we're we're keeping an eye on those terms, and we can uh, we can share that list around too if people are interested. That would be a great list to just publish each month in this meeting. Okay, with that, I'm just I want to keep us uh, uh, as close to time as possible. I'd on this topic, item four C, February month of wellness and romance. I'd like to see if there's any public comment at this time. Serge, can you help me monitor for public comment? Chair Riley, there are no hands raised at the moment. Okay, thank you, Serge. Um, I'd like us to move on to item 4D. Um, and just put this in context, a lot of our efforts have been around the retail sector of uh, business. Um, I think we should have a discussion about how we can support the maritime industry. And uh, this year, opening day in the Bay is April 24th. Uh, uh, beginning in late February, March, especially March and April, a lot of mariners uh, start investing time in getting their boats ready for the new season. And so I thought we should have an effort to support our maritime businesses, uh, whether it's, um, as Bob shared, uh, it's people helping with your riggings, uh, it's boat cleaning and boat waxing, uh, doing repairs on sails, uh, our charters. I noticed that free to be, you know, books up on opening day, but how can we help book up in advance of that? Um, so I thought we'd have a discussion about how we as an organization can help our maritime business get more, more opportunity uh, in the months of March and April and help build their brands. And Malcolm, you are our thoughtful leader in this place. So also encourage you to share ideas. Um, so I'll open it up for discussion. Well, I'll take the lead, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm uh, a little disorganized today because I realized that on my laptop, so I'm trying to do this from a very wobbly phone uh, that keeps ringing while we're having our meeting here. Um, what I would like to do is go take a quick poll of the dozen or so businesses that I use on a regular basis and uh, pose that exact question to them. So let me do a little homework and get back to you. Um, great timely topic um, because the Omicron uh, has changed things. I know yacht sales uh, have taken a dip for the first time in a couple of years, uh, but it looks like it's coming back. So uh, I'll go poll my uh, colleagues and see what we can come up with. Great, Malcolm. Uh, and I, you know, I was envisioning even if uh, some of our maritime businesses want to come up with some promotions that we can advertise or market to boat owners throughout the bay. Um, I know a lot of businesses have fled Alameda, and there's probably people looking for, you know, new service providers. And so, how can we reach out to them? Um, and of course, we can cap this off with. Uh, trying to draw people into Sausalito on opening day, which is um, a, just a beautiful weekend as well. Okay. Malcolm, you volunteered to do a survey. Can any of us assist you in this effort? 
Uh, I will probably need some help just walking the dock. I'm sorry, the phone's ringing every few seconds. Um, just walking the waterfront and, uh, you know, sometimes it's a little hard to get people to cooperate, even though you're there trying to help them. They don't understand that. Um, you know, if you're used to getting sort of beat up by the, either the permit process or um, you know, whatever the other barriers are, they they have to be sort of convinced and brought around carefully. So uh, since I know a lot of these folks, I'm happy to do that. But I'll, um, I'll have to let you know. I, I don't know exactly yet. John, is his hand up? John? Um, well, I can certainly help, Malcolm. Um, but Tom, I was going to ask, is the boat show off the table? Uh, currently, the boat show is not on the table. We have not found a productive leader to put on such an event. Um, and, you know, EDAC uh, has gone out and talked to a bunch of the community. There seemed to be interest. But we need someone who is from the industry who would benefit from putting it on, and we haven't found that kind of leader. We need Monica. But not Monica to do it. We need a Monica type person. Monica, you're on mute. We we kind of have someone identified to help with it, but we don't have enough time to do anything in the kind of scale that we're talking we were talking about. So maybe modified scale. You know, sorry, John had his hand up way before me, but um, you know, one thing that we could do is develop some sort of a this is not the right way to say it, but some sort of yellow pages, you know, that we could put together and the, use, use it as a way to market what kind of services we have, because I don't think we have anything in one place. So that might be a, a way to get started. And someone like Kim Huff or somebody could help us with the graphics and we could start marketing it that way. Um, that's one idea, anyway. And just for those of you here, it's, um... It's not uncommon people with boats spending three to five thousand dollars getting their boats ready. A lot of them have to get their bottoms painted, get their oils changed. Uh, it's it's sizable business that we can drive, and um, Sausalito offers one-stop shopping. I mean, you have every business you know available in Sausalito, and so uh, Monica's idea of just kind of like a yellow pages list is also a good idea. Um, yes, John. So, uh, Tom, I think um, one issue is that these businesses um, get pretty backlogged. Um, so you're right. I think we have all these services, but as uh, as a season approaches, even before that, you know, these guys are all pretty booked up. Um, and you know, I, I mentioned this um, a few meetings ago. There's there's a, a couple that live in Sausalito, actually towards Marin City, up, up on the hill, that operate a marine services business out of Berkeley. They want to come here. Um, they do the full service, smaller scale, um, but painting, uh, you know, cleaning hulls, uh, re-rigging, doing a lot of different services. And um, they've not been successful in finding waterfront space uh, in order to do that. So. You know, it's kind of a, a broader issue than what we're talking about, but um, uh, this couple, her and her husband, and, and you know, they have a, a team of people. Uh, that's one thing that we can we can think about. There's another um, a couple of guys 
I think Monica has been in touch with them. Malcolm and I have been in touch with them who wanted to open a bait and tackle shop here. And they were you know, looking for an affordable space. They were trying to get the octagon building next to Seahorse, um, but they couldn't come to terms with the land, with the uh, owner there. And so um, nothing ever happened, but um, they were convinced that a bait and tackle shop, especially the bait side of it, could really be um, a booming business in Sausalito because currently these fishermen have to go um, quite a ways up north to get frozen bait if they can't get live bait locally. So, um, so that's that's a couple of uh, ideas. The other uh, idea is um, uh, fish sales right off a boat. Um, I think that would be a fantastic draw for our people and you know our residents as well as other people. But again, you know you have to you have to have a dock. And we did the Working Waterfront Coalition did a pop-up fish sale. We did it at the Varda property. It was extremely successful um, during salmon season. This is about a year just before COVID. Um, so I think fresh fish, especially off the boat. And there's a group of young people who fish locally and they sell their fish to the restaurants and I'm sure they'd love to sell their fish to the community. There's licensing issues and um, other complications, but you know, it is something that we should think about as well. Um, so those are some of my uh, ideas on that. And then I like the idea about a uh, basically a, a marine services, um, maybe a page that could be added to the Destination Sausalito website mm -hmm. or something of all the marine services that would be available. Um, yeah. There are some of them on the uh, Working Waterfront Coalition um, website, uh, but um, we could use that exposure as well, I think. So thank you, John. Just uh, follow up one comment. Uh, Malcolm, if you do meet with a bunch of the merchants, uh, please do ask me if they need support. If it's per John's perception that these guys are booked, then let's not try yeah. to book them, right? Um, and so uh, if you can come back at the mm -hmm. first meeting of do they need our support, what kind of support would it be, uh, we'd like to do that. I just want to make sure that we're, you know, we're focusing on our diversification and helping this important part of our uh, community. So Vice President Hellman has okay. come to you, Monica, after advice. Yeah, I, um, I had a comment, but first let me just say uh, I did get some fresh fish during COVID, uh, thanks to John's efforts, King Salmon, a wild line caught halibut. It is pretty special to be able to pick that up right off the waterfront. It's a uh, crab season. So my friends on the docks are going off and coming home with 50 plus crabs, um, you know, to feed 10 people or however many that feeds, I don't need crab. But it's just a great opportunity and thing we could broadcast if we can do. Um, but uh, part of me, I have a kind of a naive question and, and Tom, maybe you as a boat owner could help me with this. Um, I'm wondering from a seasonal perspective, uh, if we look at it, you know, just for the four seasons, are there service bundles that, you know, every summer you need this and every spring you need this and every fall to close it down, you need this because we have 2000 slips and it seems like it would be good to have an outline of what a robust marine ecosystem looks like. So for anybody that wants to keep a boat here um, in the summer, what are all the things you might want? And when you're closing your boat down for the winter, what are all the things you might need? 
And then it could help us kind of map out what that return on investment might be to bring those additional businesses in so we can establish, look, we have these marine ecosystems that serve our 2000 slips, there's built-in customer base. I mean, here's exactly what we need. Um, I just don't know, you know, I'm not a boat owner, so I don't know exactly what you need when you decide to you know, go out in the spring or what you do when you, you know, basically dock for the winter. I'd be interested to, to see that outline. Uh, yes, there are, we won't go into here, Vice Mayor, but there are things that, that you do annually. Um, and some of them are, well, the things you do quarterly, there's other things you do biannually, but I do think putting together that list of things and making sure that we have those resources available, whether for sale or powerboat, uh, could be an interesting way of, of doing it. And there's, there is a big need for like that couple that lives here running an operation out of Berkeley for kind of a one-stop shop. And they're almost like your agents dealing with all these different vendors. Okay, uh, Monica, you're gonna make a comment. Uh, I can do it with John separately. I was just wondering how much space that group needs. So I don't need to take time today. I can call down later. Okay, that'd be great, Monica, if we could help find, um, well, it sounds like there's two places, one for the service organization and for the big tackle guy, if we could help him find a spot. Um, okay, Malcolm, um, if we can put on the agenda, maybe your report back uh, uh, in the first meeting of February, that gives us a month to get ahead of uh, helping out the maritime industry. Okay, um, at this time, I'd like to open up for public comment, and Serge, if you can help me check for public comment on item 4D, uh, maritime industry support, the discussion we just had. Chair Riley, I see no hands raised for item 4D. Thank you. Any final comments on this before we move on to our next item? I have one more comment and then I'll let it go. Is there any way we could gain access to these 2,000 boat people and do a survey like we've done in town and on other things and just get them engaged? Can we go through Clipper Harbor or some of the harbors that have the contact name for all the slip users? I mean, that's just one way of reaching them. Well, a lot of these boat owners, and I don't know, like I pay property taxes on my boat, and I, boats of certain sizes, you pay property taxes. So there has to be a way to get um, those owner names and be able to outreach them. But you pay, you pay rent to Clipper Harbor, for example, right? So Clipper Harbor has contact name for, they have a rent roll for every boat that they are harboring, right? Anyway, we, we can engage them and see if they would help us reach out to those people. Yeah, I, I don't know if the uh, the harbor owners would be willing to give up their client list. <laughs> they don't have to. I, I can they, speak to that right now. <laughs> no, 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 they don't have to. They just send out the survey for us. Yeah. Anyway, okay, another conversation. Yeah, we might be able to set, pass the survey to the, the marina managers and see if they would be willing to distribute it. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to want to turn over any sort of contact information. No, I'm just, yeah, case. they don't have to. They can just send it out to their rent hall and just say, the city of Sausalito would like a response to help you, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, we can think about it. All right. Let, let, me, let me work on that. I'll do a, a, a test query on a couple of marina managers uh, in the next day or so and ask about that. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, 
I'd like to move on to item 4E and just checking it. We are just five minutes behind schedule, so I think we can meet our objectives. Um, in this, I will turn to uh, Walter and John uh, and Rachel to provide an update on the marine ship inventory that we've been working on, um, how far along we are, and uh, how we can help uh, wrap that up. So, um, Walter, John, or Rachel. Just, yeah, just to speed it up, um, let's just go right to John, because John's been working directly with it, the inventory, and he can uh, update the uh, what's been going on. Uh, sure, thanks, Walt. Um, so since our last meeting, December, not a whole lot has happened. Um, we didn't get any volunteers to help on a couple of days that we had uh, thought about, but um, Malcolm, um, was able to do uh, most of the two boat yards where he was. So that got, uh, uh, it's almost complete, I would say. And then we had the two volunteers, Amy and Jeff, a couple who were doing the east side of Gate 5 Road. They turned that into me. They got about 50% of the spaces done. The bulk of that it was the building that Anchorage Restaurant is in. And uh, again, about 50% of those spaces uh, were done by them. Um, so the other thing I did in, you know, in December after our meeting was to um, send uh, to the city a request for a new authorization letter. And um, just maybe to remind a, a city manager and search that that, that is uh, in their inbox somewhere, um, that we need to get the authorization letter extended because it uh, went through December 31st. Um, I would suggest that we uh, authorize, uh, uh, you know, extend the letter to through the first quarter, if not longer. And the reason is um, this process is taking a long time. Remember 10 years ago when it was done, it was done by a dedicated volunteer who did it full time for close to six months. So, and, and he did every space, he missed 14 spaces in the Marin ship and he went back with an addendum of those 14 spaces after he published the first report. So it's a process and um, I think uh, in January, I'm actually away for another week, um, I'm not in Sausalito, but in January, I'm not going to be very interested with Omnicrom to go into strange office buildings. It's mostly the office buildings that remain. I'm not going to be really interested in going into strange office buildings, and I don't think people are going to be interested in having us in with the transmissibility of Omicron. So I personally would like to wait till that sort of subsides before I get into these office buildings. Um, so I think uh, the way I look at it is this should perhaps be a phased approach. We have plenty of data that we could hand over to the city um, and they could start their process depending on, you know, their um, uh, availability and their manpower and their priorities. Um, and I think perhaps one of the, the biggest motivations for them could be the business license tax to match the businesses that we've identified with whether or not these businesses have business license tax. And so I think that's a process that needs to be set up by the city. And so um, we can dump uh, 
end of January, we can dump what we have. We could do it again in February and March, and hopefully we could be done by then. Um, but uh, I think uh, it's going to be a process, and even, it doesn't matter how many volunteers we have, and we could use more volunteers. It's a matter of, you know, you know, we, we just can't get into many of these places. And so you have to go several times. Tom, you and I went into the into that uh, building adjacent to Spalding, um, all locked down or two buildings there. Certainly something's going on in there. I've been there three times since you and I went, Tom. Still just can't get in there. So um, it's that kind of a process. So John, one, thank you for that update. Um, when we last met, uh, you felt that you were, you know, approaching 70% of completeness. Do you think you've surpassed 80% with the initial? No, no, just, just barely over 70%. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, with, with 70%, it is a lot of data, and I agree. We don't have to strive for 100, but with 70%, uh, we should take this information and provide it to the city uh, to do analysis on BLT. Um, it would be also great to, you know, have a summary report at our February meeting on just what we have accomplished, right? And possibly get an analysis from the city on BLT. Um, so let's let's follow up post this meeting about who, who we can coordinate with uh, on the city staff. Okay. Um, Vice Chair Green. Thanks. Um, I would caution against tying the survey to business license tax compliance. Um, I don't, we don't think that's a good place for EDAC to be. We, we, we don't say that at all. All we, okay. all we say is that we are identifying who is in this space and what you do, and that's all. But, but if it's then given to the city and the city uses it to check on business license tax compliance, you know, I, I just, I think that linkage is too strong. Well, I guess in my view, that's the essence of what we're doing is to identify the economics of the city. We need, you know, part of that is a business license tax. And if somebody isn't paying their business license tax, and most of the time they probably just don't know that there's such a thing that, that they need. It's just a matter of, of alerting them. And again, it's, you know, we're talking about a couple hundred dollars. So it's not a, that big a expenditure for them. Cass, when we, when we began this project, we had identified three things. Um, one was to, from a diversity standpoint, make sure that tenants were in compliance with zoning or what the buildings were intended to be used for. So get it in, not to kick out existing tenants, but for us to understand what is the diverse mix that we have down there and is it supporting the industries that we want. Second was uh, to see that our businesses are paying their business license tax. And third was to identify vacancies so that we can start recruiting the businesses that we want. And those are the three things we're hoping to get from this inventory. Understood. I just think it's a red flag. I just, we, I think we need to be really careful about it. Okay. So I would love to do a check-in um, from the perspective of planning for February, because I know that there was this intention in December around other members of EDAC supporting the process. So a lot can change in a month. I know that we're facing Omicron, um, but just like would love to start thinking about the planning for February. Um, I'm just also putting it out there. I have a lot of time this month and I am happy to do some work. So John, I'll 
I'll work with you because I am happy to go into some buildings if I'm wearing an N95. I'm already pretty exposed with my work at the prison, so I'm comfortable doing some work. So some work can continue is my point. Great. Thank you, Rachel. And Rachel and John, I feel free to email the EDAC members um, asking for volunteers. And I just put out dates and two-hour windows. Uh, and people can respond and help out. And I, I will share with you, I enjoyed the two or three hours that I went out with uh, Rachel and John and uh, learned quite a bit. So I will uh, also join once again. Thank you for that. I'm telling you, it's like a detective show. It really, you're like out there having great conversations. Well, now, oh, I'm thanks, guys. What is in that building next to Spalding? But uh, we'll figure that one out. Uh, Vice Chair, you still have your hand up. You had another comment or that move for uh, Cass? From before okay so um all right uh at this time on item 4e the marine ship inventory status uh serge i'd like to see if the public has any comments to make on item 4e and chair riley there are no hands raised for item 4e thank you we'll move on to item 4f uh this is um the survey we did of all of us and the council members on next projects. I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna share my screen and uh, bring up an updated presentation. I think I share my desktop. Actually, I can share my PowerPoint. Here we go. Is that presentation showing to you? Yes. Yes, okay. So um, just in summary and for the public, um, we have collected in a spreadsheet 70 past and current recommendations for projects that we can work on to address uh, improving the economics of the city of Sausalito. Um, these were all put in a spreadsheet and we asked each of the EDAC members and our three liaisons to select their top 10 priorities and also we provided the opportunity for people to introduce new ideas um, 11 of our EDAC members and three of our liaisons responded over a six-week period. And we discussed this uh, two times. Um, I'd like us to align on the top results today. And the idea would be for us to take these results today and provide them to our council liaisons who can um, share them with the city council to get feedback from the city council. And I'm hoping by our February meeting that we can uh, have direction back to the city council on their kind of prioritized list of things we would work on. So I want to walk through kind of uh, the updated results uh, since our last meeting. Um, there was 14 votes, and as you can see here, uh, these in by the number of votes are the top items, the top 10 that came out. Um, Clear the top was uh, focus on business improvement district for each of downtown and Caledonia, a smaller scale art festival, working on a public parking and traffic study, revising our formula retail requirements, putting an effort together to define our brand um, and that brand in turn will inform, you know, everything from the events we put on, a lot of our marketing efforts to the types of businesses we want to attract. 
Um, better connectivity and parking improvements. Uh, which probably kind of goes hand in hand with a public parking and traffic study. So they're kind of one thing. Conduct an analysis of city owned property leases. Uh, the city now has a new gentleman uh, in place uh, looking over the city's leases. And so we probably could have a meeting with that gentleman or invite him to one of our meetings. Strategic alliances with Marin Hotels. Um, limit number of uses that require a conditional use permit. So that's part of the permit planning process. And then finally, revisiting signage. So these were the top 10 that um, all 14 votes came to. In the next slide, I pulled out just what our liaisons asked us to look on because they're also supposed to provide some insight. So um, I'm gonna touch on that and then we can come back to this slide. If I look at uh, what um, our chamber CEO, our vice mayor and Councilmember Sobieski uh, prioritize in their input. Um, I'm having a hard time with these. Uh, okay, I got a little bit. You'll see that uh, the ones that are double asterisk are consistent with what was on the prior slide, but there's three additional things that they said we should focus on. Engage a grant writer to seek infrastructure funding, uh, create a plan for bringing micro manufacturing and maritime businesses to the city, and considering laying all trees on Bridgeway and Caledonia 24 seven. So those were additional ideas. Um, and so I've taken the three new ideas here from the, um, the liaisons and I have added them here, which becomes uh, a longer list. But um, this would be the top 10 from uh, the EDAC plus liaisons and then the unique ones that the liaisons brought forward. And before I ask if this is kind of a final list we'd like to submit, I'd like to see if anyone has any questions or clarity about any of these actions, what they might mean. Did the grant writer go away? Uh, the grant writer shouldn't have gone away, but it didn't make this list, but I will have it on there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just have a quick question about um, for the for the business improvement district. Do uh, this may be um, too deep for this call, so we can talk about this later. But do we need to split that out into downtown versus Caledonia? Like, do do we think the businesses would want their own sort of area? Like, I, I mean, I can imagine that the Marin ship also would um, merit its own kind of improvement district potentially down the road. And I'm just wondering if it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if others have thoughts about that. I'm just curious to know if if, that, if it makes sense to split that out. Monica does. I'm sorry, my hand, my raised hand thing is broken. So we had a conversation about business improvement district with a Princess Street and uh, some of the landowners on um, Bridgeway early on. And what I can suggest, if it makes any sense, is there's two different forms one's a business improvement district and the other one's like a merchants association the business improvement district costs money because you need legal help on that sort of thing and um our company has been involved in a in a bid in a couple of situations in the city and i think we could get uh, someone who has operated under a 
BID or set up a BID to talk to us about it, whether we really think that's the right thing so we could get some consulting done on that for just, you know, no expense. So I just throw that out. That was one idea that um, we initiated uh, several months ago. So anyway, and the merchants, it depends. The business improvement district mostly is typically landlords paying for the improvement, not the tenants or the merchants. So it depends on what, how we're going to define it and that sort of thing. So that's it. The, our city manager has a comment for us. Welcome, Chris. Yeah, uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak and the work you do. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, business improvement districts, um, smaller is better. Uh, so what I heard the question being is, do we bifurcate these into separate ones? And, and obviously, um, I think that's the route to approach it with, which is a smaller one, to see it succeed. Uh, we've had conversations with uh, Salsa the Beautiful uh, about business improvement districts about three months ago. Uh, so they understand what they are and how they could work on Caledonia, which is where we had the conversation. So I just wanted to let you all know that uh, that group uh, that provided that information to uh, Sausalito Beautiful is called uh, New City America. Uh, they're the ones that are responsible for um, Little Italy and San Diego, uh, a number of lighting and landscaping districts in California across the country. So if you want them to come and do some type of uh, BID 101, he's happy to do that. I would say yes. Well, well, I think a lot of us can learn from this. And in clarity, uh, in our spreadsheet, there was a downtown business room district and a Caledonia as separate items, uh, equally voted. So in putting them here, it wasn't meant to have one business improvement district. It was uh, voted up as separate. And, uh, and Monica introduced another one. It could be Princess Streets, right? So that's uh, more and more impactful. But I think. Um, Chris, it would be really helpful to get New City America to probably educate us on um, business room districts and some of the successful ones they've helped with. Sure. Okay, so um, just advancing forward, here's what I suggest we do. Um, I can provide this list to our council liaisons. Um, and we'd love to get feedback from, and I'll leave it to uh, Ian and Janelle, if, if you guys just want to give us the feedback or you want to socialize this with the broader city council. But we want to make sure that we are in alignment with the city council and your priorities. So these are our suggestions. I think a discussion at city council would be great to get you know, any other ideas or um, give us a set of priorities that we can engage on so that we make sure we're in alignment. Um, with that feedback, then we as a group can decide how we tackle it, right? These items in parallel and maybe create some subcommittees to pursue each of the projects. And of course, then we go into monthly reporting. Um, so I'd like to ask the vice mayor and Councilor Sobieski if, uh, if they can facil help facilitate getting feedback from city council. Yeah, thank you, Chair Riley. Uh, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if there's any way to bucket some of these um, so that when we present them for those who don't have the benefit of these meetings as Ian and I do, they can kind of shortcut how it might fit into the strategic thinking. Is it a spend? Is it an expected ROI? Um, is it a quality of life? I don't know if EDAC wants to put kind of those uh, guardrails or parameters around it, but it might facilitate 
uh, our ability to quickly share uh, in a meeting. Um, I will share with you, and, and the city manager can also opine, that uh, hiring a grant writer was something that on October 30th at our workshop, uh, five of us all said, this is what we, we want to do. So it is a, that is already a priority for the council. It doesn't mean we can't review the others, but I'll just share that with you, that that one will rise to the top, I'm sure. Great, thank you. Councilmember Sobieski. Just riffing off that, Chair Riley, I might suggest that a short letter from you with these uh, priorities outlining your ask of city council would be a formative uh, document that we could then ask to be considered as an agenda topic at the this uh, January 25th uh, meeting and uh, and then simply uh, respond to. So Janelle is on the agenda setting committee and, and I, I, if she, I don't know if I don't want to put her on the spot, but I guess if you sent her that letter and um, we could ask to put that on the agenda as soon as possible and, and formally respond to it. I think uh, both of you have provided great advice. Uh, I will um, draft this. Um, I will ask uh, our vice chair to give me feedback on that draft along with our secretary, um, these priorities, and then, uh, and vice mayor, I will make it uh, more consumable in, in an organized format for someone not in all these meetings to understand the process and how they're organized. And I'd like to get that to, uh, to our liaisons before the 25th meeting so that you can get it on the agenda. And, and Chair Riley, fair to say, um, this won't require any staff time because I don't know if the city manager wants to opine at all on any constraints he would see on his end um, since we have him here as well. And you want me to opine on the agenda? Uh, um, well, I want to con yeah, confirm that there's no additional staff time needed. Um, so yeah, no. so it, if you want something on the agenda, I need the city manager to tell me we have staff to support the item. If there's no additional staff needed, that helps. I I. I do not want to rely on staff time. I think our staff is too busy. Uh, this is, you know, EDAC looking for direction from city council, which like our priorities to be. Um, when, when you give us those priorities, we should take into consideration if any of those projects will require staff time. But leading up to our next meeting, I, I certainly don't want to take staff time to help put this together. And I, I can tell you realistically, the 25th is already set and, and I think full, we can revisit that. So um, I think we would shoot for the early February, but um, I can commit to certainly sitting down with the city manager and re looking at that, knowing that we don't need staff time. Okay. I just want to make sure that we are uh, working with urgency and, and, and alignment. So uh, as soon as we can get it, it, understand though that these agendas are full. Okay. Um, any other comments about uh, the next set of priorities we'd like to suggest to city council for feedback. Uh, Mr. Dray. Uh, Tom, uh, your top, your earlier topic today, um, maritime industry support, seems like that's part of the second to the bottom one there. Um, it, how do you feel about uh, that being an ongoing part of your your topic for D today, uh, maritime industry support. Well, I think that conversation, John, kind of enlightened me. Uh, item 4D was more of a, how to promote our maritime industry in preparation for opening day, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so promote our existing businesses. But you, 
you know, talked about two businesses that can't find locations. And I do also think that um, bringing more maritime businesses into our, uh, into our city would fit into that second line item, second from the bottom line item here. Yeah, okay. Um, Bob. Uh, you know, when I look at the list and to the vice mayor's comment about, you know, can you bucket some of these? me there's there's two uh big buckets one is what john just mentioned the manufacturing maritime businesses and I'm, I'm making these comments in light of um revenue for the city and in the city's overall budget the one is micro manufacturing maritime businesses and the other is if you look at sausalito we have more vacancy today than we did months ago which is more than what we had six months ago which is probably more than what we had a year ago so when you look at the the vast amount of ground floor vacancy um if if the city council has as a priority trying to get their downtown in caledonia and other parts of the city and in, in the in the waterfront maritime um leased um and have occupants in all these empty spaces um you know you could have two big buckets you know retail downtown retail caledonia street and then maritime so i'd be curious if the city as as they review this uh city leaders have has have as a priority we need to get some businesses uh in these in these all these vacancies throughout the town that, that are growing not shrinking um that might be a good direction of uh for edac in a way that maybe we can bucket some of these and with the new real estate folks that are coming to work for the city work with them to try to holistically really drive um property leases that can help support financially the city. So Bob, on that, we do have our retained recruit subcommittee uh, that has identified types of businesses we'd like to recruit, some incentives to put in place. I think part of it was, you know, we should reinvigorate that and engage with the city and try to fill some of these vacancies. Um, I noticed Councilmember Sobieski has a hand. Yeah, I was just gonna rip off that really quick because as you know, I've been frustrated and you all have, who've been working on this, by some really exciting potential tenants that simply couldn't come to lease agreement with their landlords. And I know John Dre has mentioned this in regards to the bait shop and the um, uh, and the uh, uh, the workers that needed access to the waterfront, but that's also true on Caledonia uh, for some really mm -hmm. juicy spaces and, and elsewhere in town. And we've had offline discussions about what to do. Um, it's not necessarily on the list, but just it's a frustration of mine when we have really exciting businesses that want to be here, but they just can't agree on lease terms with the landlords. And I'm out of, I just don't know what to do about it. So incentives or not, just what can we do about it is a burning question. John? Yeah, um, I think uh, Bob and Ian made uh, you know really good comments about the vacancy situation. And it is really frustrating um, and, you know, I've been working 
with some of these people for two and a half years down in the Marin ship. And, you know, the number one way to uh, reduce vacancies is to reduce lease rates. Um, we lost four makers uh, last year. And towards the end of the year, we lost that robotics company that I talked about. It's, it's extremely frustrating and it's driven by these lease rates. So, you know. Uh, yeah, what I do is that was suggested um, was, you know, you can introduce a penalty landlords that have vacancies over a certain period of time, which those penalties then encourage them to lower their lease rates to be more competitive. Because um, a lot of times they, a lease rates what determines the value of a building. And so a lot of these landlords will hold out to keep the value of their building up and the community suffers from a vacancy. So it's possibly something we can discuss in a future meeting. Okay, I want to do, do want to respect our staff that needs to get ready for another meeting. So at this time, uh, on our next projects, uh, we discussed the process. We'll go from here. I'll put together a letter, submit it to um, our council members, and I'll ask for feedback from other officers on this committee. Um, I'd like to go to public comment on this list. Have I done public comment yet, Serge? Chair Riley, we have not um, asked for comment on item 4F, but I do not see any hands raised at the moment. Okay, thank you. Um, at this time, I'd like to move on to item five, which are staff updates and our chamber and council liaison updates. So uh, at this point, I'd like to see um, city manager Zapata, if you have any updates for us or anything you'd like to direct us on. Yes, uh, yeah, I'd like to say, can you hear me? Yes. I'd like to say that, you know, that list that you put together is really, really a good list in the sense that, you know, I can count one, two, three, four things that have some momentum behind them right now. Uh, and that's good. Uh, so I'm sure the vice mayor and council member will bring those forward. Uh, I want to just tell everybody in the group that we've uh, completed our recruitment of the uh, community development director to replace uh, Lily Whalen. Uh, that announcement will be public in the next couple of weeks, We're running through some things that we need to get done. But that's been really important and Heidi Scoble has done a lot of work to try to keep things going in the right direction and obviously helping this committee with some of the work it's doing. So let me just walk through what I heard today. Uh, you want to see a year over year sales tax, hotel tax, district tax uh, kind of uh, analysis. Uh, and uh, Julie was right, there is a lag in that. But what I can do is I can invite our sales tax consultant, HDL to uh, sit down with this group and just go back as far back as you want to go with the information that the city gets, which is all from the state franchise tax board and is in the most parts, uh, a lot of that is, is not for public consumption, but when aggregated, we can share that information and we should and we will. Uh, I also heard that this uh, event fee that uh, created some problems last month needs to be looked at. Um, having conversations with Monica, I don't disagree. So that's on my list. Uh, I think we need to add our event calendar the city has is constructing with the Parks and Recreation Commission so that EDAC has that and knows what some of the things mm -hmm. the city is looking at. And it's it's, it's the, the events that we've had, but we like to expand uh, in some respects to some more cultural, uh, some more outdoor, and certainly a Juneteenth activity this coming year. want to make sure that's good. I also heard we need to look at our digital uh, and print materials that we have regarding some of our hidden secrets and how we can get that out. So that's on the list I have. And then Malcolm, is he still on the call? 
if if Malcolm's yes, still on the here. I was Good, Malcolm, I, I, I'm really interested in what you're doing. I'd like to learn more, tag along, see if I could figure out what you're hearing in terms of opportunities and concerns. So I'll reach out to you and, and we can connect and see if I can, uh, you know, be a shadow because uh, I think that's sure. really important what you're doing. Uh, and then I heard a new letter that needs to extend the uh, date that was expired this past December 31st for the uh, the review that's going on in the Marin, in the Marin ship. Um, yeah, okay, I can do that. That's simple. Uh, I, I would guess we would do it for a six-month period is what I heard, uh, and that's easy to do. And then uh, for certain, um, I invite uh, our business improvement district conversation, advance that with uh, inviting uh, Marco Lamandry from New City America to talk about that so everyone has that and, and moves forward with it. Uh, so did I miss anything that I need to do that this uh, group is expecting? Uh, City Manager Zapata, your notes were thorough and thank you for capturing all those action items. It's uh, very encouraging to hear. Yeah. Okay, great. Oh, I got, I got it. You want to see Mike Wagner, uh, our, our person that's involved with uh, our properties and our leases that we just hired uh, a month ago. and. And he can talk to you about where we are with some of these things that we have that are in the city's portfolio and, you know, what some of the things that OMIT is working on. Uh, Councilmember Sobieski is a part of that committee with Councilmember Blaustein. But, yeah, we can bring him over as well. That's the one thing I didn't see that I, I know I asked to do. So that concludes my report, Mr. Uh, Chairman. Uh, any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Thank you, Chris. And on the last one, Mike Wagner, what I suggest is we have a retained crew kind of subcommittee looking at our... Mm -hmm business mix and I think to have them meet with Mike um, mm -hmm. and then they can report out at this meeting um, so might be the most efficient way to do that um, okay I'd like to ask the vice mayor um, if she has an update for us uh, thanks chair Riley um, I'll just let you know we're looking at um, the 21st tentatively is the next meeting of the finance committee and if for some reason uh, we cannot get the tax consultant with this group, um, well, actually, the Finance Committee meeting will be meeting before this group meets again. So uh, I'll talk to the city manager about what information we might lay the groundwork for at that meeting that would get us jump started with your request, Chair Riley. Um, and then, as I promised, I will uh, work with the city manager uh, on looking at the agenda for the 25th or the next available meetings. I recognize the urgency of this. And as the city manager mentioned, um, this really does align with so many of the things that we have set out to do around assets, uh, infrastructure, and public safety. So I think it'd be great to hit the, the new year running with a game plan. And maybe Councilmember Sobieski and I uh, just need to meet offline to see how we might package this to facilitate a, a broader understanding amongst the council, since again, we have the benefit of, of hearing the dialogue and understanding the background on it. Um, so we will do those three things. And uh, on the 21st, since it is a finance committee meeting, if you want us to try to cover something, um, please let me know, and uh, Chris and I will work on that. Thank you, Vice Mayor. I would like to ask our Chamber CEO, Julie Vieira, to uh, provide any updates. First of all, Happy New Year, everyone. Um, we do have some things planned. We do have a Zoom. Uh, we're all back to Zoom now. Uh, we do have a Zoom um, presentation coming up for the ERTC credit that a lot of the employees and employ employers might not know about. That's going to be on January 27th at 9.30 in the morning, and it's via Zoom. We are going to have paychecks come and talk to us so that 
it's not it's open to everyone not just chamber members uh, to make sure that our employers are taking advantage of that employee retention tax credit that they are um, able to apply for the other two things are that we have coming up are kind of hinged on uh, Omicron and how much it spreads but we do have a wine and sweets event that is going to happen in February on the 20th and we are hoping somehow to be able to still have that even if we do have some mandates um, in effect and then we have a mixer on February 17th it will be our first mixer that we have had in person hopefully um, for 18 months or so I think the last thing that we really had that there was a group was our grand opening at the visitor center so we do we do hope that we are able to do some more things coming up uh, we we passed our nine months of having the visitor center open we had so many people coming in about the gingerbread house tour it was amazing everybody was out and about to um, go around Sausalito and participate in the gingerbread house tour so we had a really good response from that and that's about all I have for for updates uh and Julie we have a Super Bowl coming up too don't we we do yes and we um that's the city though but yes uh the, we are participating I'm looking to see who else is on here they have restaurants there's a list of the restaurants that are participating and that is February 5th Great. Well, as we look at our month of wellness and romance, we already have a couple events with your wine and sweets and the Super Bowl. So some things to work with Scott and Kevin. Uh, none of them really helping with wellness, but uh, uh, Monica? I with wellness. <laughs> I talked to Raylene Gorham and they're in the midst of planning the Heron Festival again. So there's some news to come from that shortly. Great. Um, I'd like to go to Councilmember Sobieski. Any update for us, sir? No, I think Joe covered it. Uh, we will caucus on that letter, and um, I know what you're looking for is, you know, you're just asking us for what you should focus on as volunteers helping to do the city. So we'll try to make it as expeditious as possible and get back to you as soon as we can. Uh, the Vice Mayor and I both have to step off, just so you know, to our special city council meeting in seven minutes. So if we drop off, we will. But I will just echo kind of what john mentioned and and um and you mentioned chair riley just this idea of how to break the economic logjam between landlords uh, understandably looking for the highest rent they can get and having a lot of patience versus the community's impact of not having um not having things filling the spaces in our retail corridor or in our industrial maritime areas is um it's kind of a perennial problem i think um that's not gonna it's not just covid related so uh, I think we really should put our heads together and come up with some ways to try to tackle that uh, with, with hopefully carrots and sweetness, but maybe other tools if necessary. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you to our liaisons for your great support. Um, at this time, is there any public comment on the liaison updates? Serge, can you see if there's any public comment? Chair Riley, I don't see any hands raised. Thank you um our next meeting date is february 7th i'd like to see if everyone likes this three o'clock time for the meetings 
Yes, better than the two o'clock time. Okay, so we'll stay with three o'clock, uh, three to five p.m. Um, I've got a number of great ideas for agenda items. Uh, what I do is I send these to our liaisons and our city manager for feedback. Um, does anyone have any specific items we haven't discussed today that they'd also like on a future agenda item? Um, Chair Riley, a quick question. Maybe next meeting would be great if the council liaisons could um, share with us a little bit how the, uh, the federal uh, economic um, uh, recovery funds that the city received, how they would be spent. Are they going to be spent on, you know, we're, the, we're EDAC, so would those uh, monies be spent with something that we would be doing, um, or are they just going to be um, spent otherwise? It would be nice to have a, an idea. A few people have been asking me if, um, I think it's like $1.6 or something like one, maybe $1.7. Anyway, so it would be nice to have a, um, a, a brief report on that next meeting. We're quite possibly in Vice Mayor Kelvin, maybe that be a topic at the January 21st Finance Committee meeting? Uh, it certainly can. I will defer, however, to the city manager who's no longer here, who I believe is, oh, there he is. Um, Chris, I thought you already had this uh, this dialogue. Is this something that we should bring back up? Well, the answer is pretty short. Uh, I believe the city council programmed the $1.6 million uh, from the feds into the budget this year to close the budget gap. And so that money comes in two tranches and the second tranche, as I understand it, comes in in June. And so to the point of what you would do with it, I think uh, you've used it to build the budget that you adopted this past uh, June 30th. And that included things like money for EDAC, uh, other things that you know matter to the business community. So to uh, say that it would be there to look at what you could do with it going forward I think it's already what you've done with it and an accounting of what you've done with it to date. And I think I can provide that information in a number of areas, whether it's marketing, whether it's funds to EDAC, whether it's other business initiatives, uh, and to give you a summation of that as to how that our budget is impacted and those funds were programmed. Thank you, uh, Mr. Zapata. Um, okay, at this time, I think we are ready to adjourn and uh, our Council members can go off to their special meeting with staff support. Uh, so thank you, everyone. Happy New Year. Thanks for a great, productive meeting. Bye.